Well, good morning, church. Good to see you. Glad that you're here today. Today's a special day in the life of our church. Uh, as many of you know, the second service, or the third service, uh, we'll be having an upward celebration for the uh, sports program that we've had and just uh, having all the kids in here with their parents. Now, on our staff meeting this past week, Jim, uh, who's in charge of our uh, uh, gymnasium, the lighthouse and the ministries going on there, he had shared with us that with our upward program that we had this year, that we had about 100 families that have kids within that program that are unchurched. And so in this next service, some of those families will be here, some of the moms and dads and some of those kids. And so we want to be praying that God is at work and your prayers do matter. We can pray them into the kingdom. And so I'm going to ask you to uh, please be praying during this, um, this service, but also our next service uh, as uh, an opportunity comes again for us in just sharing the gospel with these families. So glad that they've, uh, they've let their kids be involved with the uh, upward basketball program here in the church. And uh, it's been a good outreach ministry for, for our church. And so you do that, and I believe that uh, God will be honored with that. If you have your Bibles, then uh, you go ahead and you turn to Matthew 25. And um, here in Matthew 25, I've entitled this message, The Tragedy of an Unprepared Life. Uh, I think that there's been times in all of our lives where we have been unprepared. Uh, things have caught us completely off guard. The reason that I have titled, entitled this uh, sermon, um, The Tragedy of an Unprepared Life, is that chapter 25 of Matthew uh, contains three stories that Jesus comes right from the lips of our Lord. And it's about his return when he's coming back, chapters 24 and 25. If you want to know about uh, last day events, chapters 24 and 25, deal with those things. And so Jesus, I'm not going to focus on 24, but I want us to focus on uh, just first story that Jesus tells. He tells three stories, and each of these stories uh, have three common themes. You find the themes in all three of the stories. And so, um, I'm trying to get there, okay. There we go. Okay, and so the, uh, I put them up here so you can see them because I'm going to read the scriptures in a minute. And you will see uh, each of these in all three of the stories, but you'll see it especially in the story we're going to be reading um, this morning. And uh, it, it says here that when we look at this, in each story the return of the Lord is sudden and unexpected. The Bible does tell us that no man knows the hour or the day when the Son of Man is going to return. Only our Heavenly Father. Jesus said, I don't know. Only when the Father says it's time and then at that moment uh, he will come. Uh, in each story there's a separation between the believer and the unbeliever. Uh, I mean, there is a total, complete, in all three of these stories, the, when we narrow it down to the biblical truths that we find there, there is a separation between the believer and the unbeliever. And then in each of these stories, the unbelievers are completely surprised. In all three of the stories, they are completely surprised that they have been rejected and they're not able to go to heaven. And so uh, it's important that we see those, uh, those things and just laying that out. And so uh, as we look at this, and again, just thinking about the tragedy of an unprepared life, notice what the scriptures say here. Would you stand with me as I read to you these verses of scripture? 
Matthew 25, starting in verse 1. Notice what the scripture says here. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and they all slept. Now notice what it goes on to say here. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, notice that, those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and he said, Truly, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And then verse 13 sums up the emphasis of this, of this story. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray your blessings upon our hearts and our ears as we've heard your word read. May you be honored and glorified. And may your Holy Spirit do what only your Holy Spirit can do in bringing us and bringing these truths to us, opening our eyes and our ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I read this, but before I really break this down and we unbox this uh, passage of Scripture, I want us to think about another event. And I want you to visualize with me uh, a scene that's going to take place in heaven. It's in, the, it's in the future. I don't know when it will be, but we know that it's there. And it will, be, it will be in the near future, and if you are a believer, you'll be involved with it. There's no question about it. If you are a believer, you will be involved with it. And it's found in Revelation chapter 19. And the music there will be wonderful. An angelic choir and a choir of, of, of all of the saints. And notice what it says in verse 6 of uh, Revelation 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. The bride will be beautiful. Notice what it says in verse 8. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe, her, to, to clothe her, herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Now the guests will be happy, all those that have been invited. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper 
of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Now the groom will be glorified. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. This was an angel that was telling this story to John. And John was hearing it. And John says, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now remember when we looked at this and I read this, that an invitation was given out. Every one of us that's here are given an invitation. An invitation to, to attend the marriage supper of the Lamb, a future event that's recorded right here. Now, when an invitation is given, and I'm sure you've received those maybe through the mail or whatever, whether it be for uh, a wedding or a baby shower or whatever, usually they will have on there uh, to, to send back to let them know with a yes that you are attending or, or a no you're not going to or maybe you're undecided at this point. And I can tell you that in this room right now at this time, there are those who have been given an invitation by God at one point in your life. It could have been in your past. It could be that this, it will take place this very day. But an invitation to join him in this great celebration in the future. And you've said no. Not interested. You may have, just as you received that piece of mail with an invitation on it, you threw it, you, you threw it into the garbage or the trash to say, no, I'm, I'm not interested in any kind of an event like that. There'll be others who maybe will hang on to it and they'll set it on the kitchen table or on the counter and later on they'll see it again and they'll say, well, you know, I don't know. Should we go to it or should we not go to it? I'm just not certain. And they haven't made any commitment as of yet anyway, but today's not over. My prayer is that by the end of this day, if you haven't received, uh, if, if you haven't said yes to the invitation to be part of this great celebration that will take place in the future, that today will be the day that you give your life and, and you'll trust Christ as your Savior. There's a number in this room, I can tell you, in the short time that I've been here, as a pastor and working with you as one of the pastors, that many of you have said yes. It's evident in your life. You are excited about Jesus. You're looking forward to that day, amen? When, when our Lord will return, when the, when the great marriage uh, uh, supper of the Lamb will take place and it'll be a great celebration time. It, it will be a special event. Every, every person there will have on the proper attire, just as, as the invitation to go to a wedding or whatever, or maybe it was a, a, another event where it was a, 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 a tie, a black tie event where you had to dress up. And the Bible teaches us that everyone there had on a special attire, only those uh, that attended, uh, those that were invited and said yes, had a certain attire that they were wearing. Oh, there will be those that will try to slip in without an invitation. There'll be those who, uh, who, who will try to show up in their, in their old dirty work clothes or their, their play clothes or, or whatever it is, but they'll not be let in. The scripture makes that plain to us. 
Just like what we find here with these, uh, with these ten maidens, uh, they all wanted to go to the wedding celebration. They were looking forward to that. I've never found, uh, uh, well, I'll say I've never, I've, I've never ran across that many people who said, yeah, I, I don't want to go to heaven. Most people that I've talked to would say, uh, I, I don't believe in a hell, but I believe there is a heaven. There's a good place, and, and, and I'm looking forward to going there. That's how, they, that, that's how these uh, uh, ten were. Uh, they, they were all looking uh, for that time when the bridegroom would come, and I'm, I'll explain that to you in just a little bit. They all had lamps, and, and uh, they were somewhat prepared, but there were, there were five, only, only five of the ten were going to the wedding. Five of them didn't make it. So what went wrong? How come? What took place there? Well, there were five that weren't prepared for the long haul. There was an interest, but they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. They didn't bring any extra oil. And as a result, they missed out on the most important part of the entire journey. And so as we look at this, I, I, I want us to, to focus on the tragedy of, of an unprepared life. Because it certainly is a tragedy when we think, and most of us uh, think uh, at least at, at sometime in our life, because I used to think this, is that I'm going to heaven, and, uh, and I was basing that on, on my works, on the things I was doing. If I can do enough good works... And, and I can offset the bad works, and I'm going to get to go to heaven because I had more good works. And I could always justify that by looking at somebody who was a lot worse off than me. Well, look at that guy. I'm better than him. And many people will look, look at that. Well, I'm a good dad. I'm a, I, I, I'm a faithful worker. I'm a good husband uh, or wife. And, and I do this, and I do that, and I do good things, and I give money, and I help people out, and I buy... I buy Girl Scratch cookies, and I, and, and, and I support uh, this organization and that organization. And I give money to those dogs that are freezing to death on TV that we see every now and then. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to notice a few things. Notice what it says here. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, we know that the bridegroom is our Lord Jesus Christ from the Revelation 19, that picture that we get here. And what Jesus is speaking about here in, in the story, the bigger, the bigger picture of the story. Now, typically in America or in the Western world, in a wedding service, I'm usually standing up here, and I'll have a groomman that's standing here going like this. And there'll be somebody over here to catch him. Okay. Groomsman. And, um, and then when the bride starts to come down with her daddy, the preacher usually says, let's rise. And, and you start hearing the music, and everyone turns and they look down the aisle, at this bride that's coming, here comes the bride. But in a Eastern culture, it wasn't, here comes the bride. It was, 
here comes the groom. Matter of fact, the whole emphasis from an Eastern culture is completely different than what we look at and what we think of here. That Middle Eastern wedding is in which the bridegroom, rather than the bride, is the center of the attention. Matter of fact, the bridegroom pays 100% of the wedding cost. 100%. Thought I'd at least get an amen out of that one. Some of you that have daughters, you spend a fortune marrying them off. Now, to really understand this story, there's, there's... there's three aspects here, and it'll all tie together very, very, very good for us to, to see this. The, the, the Jewish marriage service usually involved three different time frames. You had the engagement period. Now, the engagement period was when the daddy of the bride and the daddy of the groom got together, and they did not say to their children, what do you think about so-and-so? But the daddies got together, and they made an agreement, a covenant. And it was a contract. It was official. And so it wasn't based so much on whether the, the bride was saying, well, I don't like the way he looks, or the, the groom is saying, well, but she needs dental work. Uh, any of, it didn't have anything to do with any of those kind of things. It was all focused on on agreement, and that was the engagement period where the daddies were saying, okay, we would agree that this woman and this man can be united in marriage. And it started out with that. And then it it went to an official ceremony, and that official ceremony where the couples would come together, and the the girl and the guy would make, in front of their family and their friends, they would give vows to each other and, and binding promises to each other. They had an actual marriage ceremony that took place. This is where Joseph and Mary, when it speaks about Joseph and Mary, that Joseph was in that betrothal period. It usually lasted about a year. They were officially married. And at this point, they, the, uh, the, the husband, uh, if, if he happened to die, even though there was no sexual relationships that took place yet, if he were to die, she would still be considered a widow. If it was found that she was unfaithful, he would have to give a bill of divorce. He'd have to file for a divorce on her part of being an unfaithful wife even though they had never had sexual relationships. This was their culture. And during that period, that year period, he would go and he would start building a house and he would put together this whole house that when he was done then, he would send out the invitation and he would say, the house is almost done except for the painting. I'll be finishing up this week. And when I'm done, sometime in this next week, I'm going to come and get you. The invitations then were sent out to all those who were to come to the wedding. All those that would be involved in this. And they were supposed to be ready. 
And then you had the third part of it, which was the marriage celebration. At that point, usually it would be in the evening at a late time. Here he comes with his groomsmen. And they're singing and they're dancing and they're shouting. And they come to the bride's home where she's staying with her daddy. And they take her and all of the wedding party. They all join together. And they go throughout the entire community. And they're dancing. And they're celebrating. And it's a, it's a, they're rejoicing. Uh, and they go everywhere throughout the village. And everyone sees them as they're doing this. And this, and this processional, they make their way to the groom's house that he has just built. And they go into this, maybe it had a courtyard that was there, and only those who had the invitation could go in. And they would all go in. Now, this, this marriage celebration would take place sometimes for as much as seven days, where there would be singing and dancing and special foods, and, and every day there were many different things that they were doing. But no sexual relationships took place. At the end of the seven days or the end of this period, the best man would then take the hand of the bride and he would take that hand and he would place it into the hand of the groomsman or of the groom. And then the entire wedding party would leave. And then there was the consummation of the marriage. That was the Jewish culture. That, that was a lie. That was where Jesus was. And he's telling the story. And so as he's telling the story, and he's given the little uh, hints of what's taking place, let me just add one other little feature here, because you may say, but what does this have to do with us? Well, let me just tell you this, that in Ephesians chapter 5, in, in, that, in this passage, Paul is writing to the church. And he starts in verse 22, and he's talking about marriage between a man and a woman. And when he concludes, he comes to verse 31, and he says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And then he makes this statement right here in the scriptures. I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. The picture that we have of a wedding ceremony between a man and a woman is a picture of a future event that's going to take place in Revelation 19 called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's going to take place and so when there's a wedding, this is why I always say, if a person is, or if they're unbelievers, they don't need a church wedding. Because it has absolutely no meaning to it. But as believers, when we are united together in marriage, it's a picture of the day when Christ and the church will be united in heaven. See, the scriptures are always about Christ as the center of everything. And he should be the center of your home, the center of your life. And so in this story, the groom has prepared a home. By the way, let me just tell you that what's the Bible tell us in, in John's gospel? Jesus says, I'm going to go away, 
And if I'm going away, what does he say? I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and then I'm going to come back. If I go away, I'm coming back. And what's he say? To get you, to take you, to be with me forever. See, it all, it's all there. And so the invitations have been sent out today. The day will come when the groom will say it's time. When the father says to the son, go get your bride, the church, believers. Now, the point of this story and the stories that come behind is that we are, we are to always be prepared. We're to be prepared. Are you prepared? Notice again in these passages of scriptures, it says that now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamp and uh, took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessel with the lamp. And then notice in verses 5 and 8, it says uh, 5 through 8, but while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and they slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. We're, uh, we, we have no oil for our lamps. But the wise said, Oh, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but you go. And you, you go to those who sell the oil and buy for yourselves. Now listen to me. I have found that in life, there's three unexpected events that we all, all must prepare for. All three of these. And when Christ is the center of this, I can tell you that there's a peace that comes in our hearts. First of that is, a, is, a, is the second coming of our Lord, the return of Christ. In this, in this story, Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And the day's coming when our Lord will return. We don't know that. And, and you've been given an invitation, and how you responded, yes, maybe, not sure, or no, absolutely not, not interested. But we've all been given that invitation. Now, the second event would be, would be that at the very time that you were born, God knows the very time you breathe your first breath. He's a sovereign God. He knows all these things. But he, he also knows when you're going to breathe your very last breath. And somewhere in between there, you, 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 there's a meter. There's a time. And, and, and you, don't, you don't get to say, I get more time. When the time runs out, the time runs out. And many people are unprepared for, for death. And the time keeps ticking on, and some of you are closer than you think. And your life is, is you're not ready. And it's, it will be an unexpected event. And you're not prepared for that. And you should be. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that it's just as it is appointed for man to die once, that after that then comes the judgment. And you'll stand before a God you do not know. Now, I've met many people that said, well, but this is what I'm hoping for. You know, preacher, 
I'm just hoping that before I die that I have a, a chance and up a, a last minute deathbed time. If I have an automobile accident that, that before I, I die I've still got that time to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. It's a false assumption. My brother died about four weeks ago. He was in good health. He was at work. He went out to a car that he was getting ready to do some business with, with, with where he worked. And as he reached open the car door, he fell. They saw him fall from a window. Uh, they were watching him. He, he fell. And so they immediately went out there. When the doctor had examined him, they found that, uh, and the doctor said, when he fell, by, by, by the time he hit the ground, he was already dead. That quick. Heart attack. Now, I'm going to tell you, that it's a false assumption for you to think that you have all the time in the world to make a decision for Jesus. Some of you are getting pretty old. But young people die too. There are those that assume that they will not become indifferent to spiritual things. But I want to tell you, the longer that you stay away from the spiritual things, the more distance will be there. And the more you'll say, oh, that kind of stuff isn't important. And there are those that assume that the pleasures of the sinful life are greater than the life of a Christian that's been discipled and, and uh, is reading the, the Word of God. And I just tell you that on all three accounts, your assumption is wrong. And there is a third area then, and that the third area is that a time of crisis. And they always come. A family member dies. The doctor says you have a terminal uh, sickness, a cancer, or something of this sort. One of your children is, uh, is terminally sick. Your marriage is falling apart unexpectedly. Your children walk away from the Lord or walk away from you. You're facing financial uh, crisis. You're falsely accused of something. Or, or it could just be that your body refuses to cooperate with your mind. The older you get. We've all been there, haven't we, Brother David? <laughs> all of a sudden, we think we can do something that we can't. Oh, I, sure, I could do that. Uh-huh. You realize that, okay... It didn't work. It happens to all of us. But I want you to know the time comes, and in this story it says, and, they, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. I've underlined those words. Underlined them in my Bible. Those who were ready. Because the next words are some of the most, to me, horrifying thoughts. Is that the door was shut for those on the outside. Just like Noah's day. The floods came. The Bible says that God shut the door of the ark. There were those who were pounding on the door. Let me in. I believe now. I believe Noah. I believe this. The door was shut. The day will come when there will be those who will say, 
I believe now. But the door shut. There's a late. Afterwards, the other virgins came uh, uh, also, and they said, uh, Lord, Lord, open up for us. Too late. Verse 12 says, But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. I've underlined those words. Revelation 20.15 says this, And if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Every one of us and every person in our world that we live in will one day give an account and they'll stand before our Lord. Will their name be in the book. Some years ago, Jerry Goff had written a song. As the song says, please search the book again. Maybe some of you remember that. So I put the words up here for us to look at. It says, I dreamed that I had died and gone to heaven. I stood just outside the eastern gate. The man from within said, have you been born again? And is your name written in the book of life? Please search the book again. I thought my name was there. I went to church on Sunday, though I never knelt in prayer. Please search the book again. It's too late. Now I know. Please search the book again before you make me go. I told him all the deeds that I had done, and I showed him all the trophies that I had won. But the man said to me, have you been set free? And is your name written in the book of life? Please search the book again. I thought my name was there. I went to church on Sunday, though I never knelt in prayer. Please search the book again. It's too late now, I know. Please search the book again before you make me go. And then he turned and left me standing there. I knew it was too late now for prayer. Oh, my sinner friend, if you want to make it in, your name must be in the book of life. Please search the book again. I thought my name was there. I went to church on Sunday, though I never knelt in prayer. Please search the book again. It's too late now, I know. Please search the book again before you make me go. Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And the question for you is this. Are you ready? There's an event that's coming in the future. Be one of the most, the greatest celebration times in all of history that ever took place. You've been given an invitation. 
What have you done with it? Only those whose names are on the guest list are invited. They're the ones who responded. Yes. Yes. What about you this morning? David's going to lead us in a song, and let me just say this, that you don't have to come forward by no means. You see, you can, you can trust Christ right where you are, but you won't keep it silent. You will make it known. You will let others know that, yes, I trusted Christ as my Savior. You can do what I did. I didn't come forward in, an, in a service. I was with a group of guys that were praying, and silently they didn't even know that I trusted Christ that night. But I realized and recognized at that moment, on a Tuesday night in February 1978, that I was lost. I'd been baptized, was a member of a church, but I realized I was lost and unsaved. And while they were praying, I prayed. They were praying out loud. I prayed silently, and I said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. You can pray that, you can pray that right now. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And if I were to die, I wouldn't go to heaven. But I want to place my faith and trust in you because you paid for my sin on the cross of Calvary. And this morning, today, I give myself to you. Save me, Lord Jesus. Would you do that? You can pray right now. Lord Jesus, save me. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. You were uncertain, but you can be certain now. And the very, the very moment, out of the sincerity of your heart, when you, when you confess to him that you need him, that you're a sinner, your name is written in the book of life. You're on the guest list. And when that event takes place, you'll be there. Would you pray today? Lord Jesus, save me. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. Not to come forward. But if you did pray that, would you just slip your hand up and say, yes, I, I prayed this morning. Okay? Four or five hands have gone up. Yes, today. I've said yes, Lord. I've trusted him. A few more hands have gone up. Anyone else? Raising your hand won't save you, but it is an acknowledgement that I'm not going to call you to come forward. But you need to make that public then somewhere. And if I can help you anywhere, or one of our pastors, and we have a great staff here, multiple, multiple pastors and ministry leaders that would love to pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that responded this morning to your invitation and their names are on the guest list now to you be the glory we sang about it Father your grace wonderful matchless grace you have done so much Lord 
to give to us an invitation to love you, to follow you. I want you to be honored and glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.